Okay, so on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast today, we have Coach James Barker. He is the head football coach at Chapmanville Regional High School in Chapmanville, West Virginia. Man, Coach Barker and I have been been friends for a long time, and he he gives a lot of great wisdom on the podcast. I know you will, you will love listening uh, to Coach Barker on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Okay, so on the podcast today, we have Coach James Barker from Chapmanville High School. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. We met, what, in 2016, I think, is when we first met. Is that accurate? Oh, gosh. Maybe. It was the first year you moved up. uh, It was a Riverside first year. It was 15. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so I kind of reached out to you and uh, said, if you want to have a joint practice, we get together. And, yeah. and ever since then, we've kind of, kind of, you know, talked and bounced ideas off each other. And it's been a good friendship. Absolutely. You were one of the original people on the podcast. And uh, yeah, that's great. We, our setup's gotten a little better since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's still amazing to me. You're still going strong with it. Um, you know, that's, it's one thing that uh, we'll probably get into talking about is that 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 balance of life that you you kind of kind of got to have. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. tough, especially you know you got three kids now, and, and mm-hmm. so do I. And it's it's that that balance you got to figure out how to make time for things. It is, man. I really have cut a lot of stuff out besides this. This has become something that I actually make time to do, which. I have no other hobbies, though, besides football. <laughs> what else do we do? So, Coach, please introduce yourself, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm Coach James Barker, uh, head coach at Chapmanville Regional High School in the southern part of uh, West Virginia. This is uh, going into this coming season. will be my third year as a head coach. I've coached um, since the 2008 season here at Chapmanville. Um, kind of was just a guy with eyes in the booth in 08, 09. Uh, became our middle school head coach in 2010 and 11, and then took over the offensive coordinator role for the high school in 2012, all the way up until 2018. 2019, I took over as a DC for a year. That was interesting. Learned a lot on that side of the ball. Uh, and then in 2020, in the year of COVID, I took over as the head coach. So, um, you know, I've been around this program now for 14 years. Um, my dad was a head coach here for, for a while. My grandfather, they just renamed the stadium after my grandfather um, here in Chapmanville. So uh, long, long lineage, long history for our family. And uh, I'm, I'm very honored and blessed to be our head coach. That's awesome. Yeah. When we first met, you were, that was 15. And then you were on the offense and doing great things there. And uh, then I think after the 2016 season, we, we, me and Coach Nate Johnson came down there and talked ball with you, and uh, yeah, we ate some good Italian. I forget what, what's that place called. I forget Giovanni's. Giovanni's. Giovanni, yeah. man, that's that's awesome. So, talk a little bit about that transition from like assistant coach. Your dad's the head coach, and your granddad was the coach before then. So, I mean, like, talk about that. Like, how does that work for you going through all that? Yeah, it's it's interesting when uh, you know you got older community members coming up to you and, and telling you stories about your grandfather and uh, you know older guys that are now graduated college families of their own you know talking about 
you remember back in 08 when we had the playoff team, things like that. Uh, you know, back then I was just a, a young pup and um, probably, you know, I was, I, I knew some football, but not as much as I know now, obviously. And um, most of those guys kind of resonated with me because I was the younger coach. And now you kind of you go into this role where you're the leader and, um, you know, everybody in the community kind of knows you. Um, and then you're, when your dad's the head coach for a long time, of course, our assistant – or I'm sorry, our principal, Rob Dial, was the head coach right after my dad. Um, you know, and my dad ran a really good program, and, and Rob did too. But, you know, being a part of that program, you want to kind of make your, your own own mark after you get the head coaching job. And it, it's different, especially when, you know, my, my father is still on staff and um, mm -hmm. he's our athletic director. And so, you, you know, you don't want to – tell him what you thought was wrong with the program when he was running it. But at the same time, you try to make some adjustments to mm -hmm. make your own mark, so to speak. Yeah. You can't blame the guy before you when it was your dad. Yeah. No, <laughs> not, not at all. Like, <laughs> I just really tell my mommy though, you know? Oh man. Uh, and then coach dial, man, coach dial is, you know, he's been a head coach, been a principal. He's, he was principal at Logan before, assistant principal before. Assistant and, principal there, yeah. Principal there. Uh, what's that like working for a guy who used to be the head coach? Does he try to come in and give you advice? And how's that all work? I, I, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, when he became the principal, I took a picture of him, put cut out of his face, hmm. and I uh, put his face on Yoda. And uh, I, I call him my Yoda. So anytime I, you know, I need advice, I go down to his office and, uh, you know, I talk to Yoda and try to figure out exactly where I need to go and what I need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, a, that's awesome to have that kind of relationship because I feel like I've heard, I've heard it to where it's good like that, but I've also heard it to where it's a, it can be a difficult situation. So it's really good to hear it's, it's a good, good fit. Yeah, there's there's no jealousy, and and you see that sometimes. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I've seen it in certain situations, but you know he's probably my biggest supporter. Um, mm -hmm. Rob, not only I mean, he's a great guy, and but he's not, he's one of my best friends, and uh, you know it's kind of weird. He's the first guy I go to after the game, win or lose, mm -hmm. and uh, he's never never had anything negative to say. It's always positive, doing the right thing. Just keep doing what you're doing. It'll eventually, you know, you'll be fine. That's awesome. So, Coach, we were texting yesterday two day, or two days ago, and we you were saying, hey, what do you want to talk about? I really want to talk about your your program building, how you have done that there and been a part of it there because you've been there for so long. And it's that's unique these days. I, you know, most guys, that's not the, the path that the path that I chose or guys that other guys I've talked to. So I would just love you to kind of go into how does that work for you and how does that all fit together? And I'll just ask questions from there. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we we do a lot um, with our program in a, in a sense, um, not as much as probably some do. Mm. Um, I, I feel like the southern part of our state, it's very difficult to do things year-round. You've got – not only do you have kids playing other sports, um, but the level of commitment that you're going to ask guys to put in year-round, it's just, it's just not here right now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not necessarily a, a knock on them. I just feel like that we're so seasonal in our sports here yeah. um, that it's hard. You know, when you want to push guys to come to the weight room in January, they're going to burn out by the time you hit April, May. 
Mm -hmm. And you gotta, you gotta figure out exactly when to push the right buttons and, and do those type of things. Now, mm -hmm. from a program standpoint, um, you know, we, we strive, you know, our mission statement, I'm going to, I'm going to read you this off our, our PowerPoint and I believe in it. You know, our goal is to create young men who compete on and off the field with effort and character who strive to be great through their uh, own commitment and the commitment to each other and embrace their community with service and pride. You know, mm. Our program, our goal as a program is to win on and off the field with character, commitment, and community. You know, that's um, and everything we do. We have that little thing at the bottom. That's our kind of our logo is in our mission statement is character, commitment, community. And uh, those three C's are what we believe in. That's awesome. And you're Chapmanville, so it goes together. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. I had to, I had to think real hard on that one, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. So you were talking about weight room and attendance and y'all just got a new weight facility, right? If I'm not mistaken. No, we got a new locker room. Facility. Locker room. Okay. Locker room. Okay. Okay. But, but, but yeah, we're, we're in the really process nice. of moving all that stuff. Okay. Uh, I remember in, I remember in 2016, you were talking about your weight program has that changed since then? I think you were kind of CrossFit a little bit back then, maybe, if I'm we, not mistaken. We were. Yeah, we were. Um, you know, it, it has changed to an extent. You know, we're going back to more Olympic-style lifts, um, I, I believe, in our weight program. Um, but you know, we tried that CrossFit out for about a year or two. Didn't see great results with it. And and the only reason we went to it is because we felt like we needed to train all around athletes. We thought that that would get maybe some more commitment from basketball players, some more commitment from baseball players. Mm -hmm. They weren't lifting that heavy weight and doing those Olympic style lifts, creating a cardio um, balance into that lifting program as well. And, you know, we kind of, we kind of scrapped that mm -hmm. right, right as we got into COVID. Um, and we've, we've actually scrapped um, the way we used to condition and run, too. Um, really? Yeah. So, yeah, there's some there's some things there we've changed. And, you know, we've gone back to what we used to do originally, which was those Olympic lifts. Um, but, you know, conditioning-wise, um, we, we call it four to seven-second sprints. You know, hmm. we're going to – we get them wide across the field, and uh, I get a megaphone out. And they're they're sprinting for four seconds. They hmm. they walk for about four. They jog for four, and then they sprint for four. And we try to simulate that that football yeah, play. Yeah. Um, you know, so actually, I'm sorry, I misspoke. They they walk for about fifteen to twenty seconds, hmm. and then they sprint, and then they jog, and they sprint, and it kind of goes like that. That way, you get that you know that play clock simulation where you know you take that breather and uh, then you jog in a position if you're coming in and out of the huddle, depends on what you do. Um, mm -hmm. And then you, you know, you know, the sprint is the snap. So that's what mm -hmm. we kind of do. We do that. We try to do that for a half at the beginning of August uh, and then work our way to four quarters at some point. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. We're talking about this. I was talking with our defensive coordinator today about running 300s versus running football specific conditioning and I think that's all changed in the past what 10 years probably that people have gone away from the 300 yard shuttle the 110s uh have you found your guys are in better football shape when the season starts is that something you've seen with that 
Well, you know, COVID has really shot us. Yeah. You know, I, I know we don't want to get off on that tangent, but, you know, it was very, very difficult to condition mm-hmm. in 20 because you were just trying to get through practice and teach scheme and, and mm-hmm. be ready to play at any point in time. Um, last year, I felt like we weren't conditioned for the first two games of the season. Um you know, I'll take the blame on that. I probably didn't run as much as I should have early on. But again, we were going with this new type of running. And I didn't want to uh, um, go too far with it. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get our second scrimmage, and we were going to play a full half of football. So we didn't know how well yeah. we were conditioned or weren't conditioned. Uh, so that hurt us as well, too. But, uh, you know, as the season went along, you could see – the progress and we were I mean we were fine in the fourth quarter by the last four games of the season but I think most teams feel that way too mm-hmm. yeah it's so hard to get guys from summer shape into football shape like that's just such a different thing right so you're they're running and now we're playing football and so when you practice you condition in practice is that something that you you do like to do or is it like built into practice with the drills yeah, I think it's built into practice with the drills. Um, we talk about our kids about, you know, every rep you got to give 100%. And I'm sure, you know, I'm not kind of preaching to the choir on this one. But, um, you know, we try to make sure that kids are doing something all the time. I, I think that's how you condition without running, mm-hmm. um, whether it's punt returns, whether you're doing uh, individual drills. you you got to find a way – to too much standing around, you're going to have players heavy breathing early in game. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's the way I see it. So in practice, somebody you got to be doing something at all mm-hmm. times, even in team period. You, you got to find a way to split it up enough where you've got everybody involved. And that you know it goes back to your program building stuff too. Is is if you've got everybody doing something, they're accountable. They're going to not miss practice. Number one. And number two, they've got a role in practice, and they generally know what that role is, and they're going to be more apt to do it mm-hmm. if they know what that role is. So um, I think that's where you – you know, if you want to make a, a, a real change in your program quickly, it's organizing your practice to the point of everybody has a role, everybody's doing something, and that way you, know, you get better every day with every rep, especially as you start to get more comfortable in those roles. Somebody once told me years ago that bad coaches want to do team all the time. And uh, I think you have to do teams. I didn't like necessarily agree with that hundred percent, but I do feel like we were, you were talking about keeping guys involved. So like the indie group team, but everybody like has a role. What are you doing? Am I the scout team in team? Am I rotating in? Uh, because sometimes I feel like some people just want to coach like the best players and then they kind yeah. of don't want to coach the other guys. So like, what are ways, I guess, that, what are ways that you maybe have tried to coach the kind of the bottom half of your roster to get them to be serviceable, I guess is the, the term. Cause I'm looking for ways to do that. I'm always, and that's something I'm really looking to learn this off season. You know, I, I think it's a question of a lot of, um, I won't say smaller high school coaches have, but, you know, coach uh, high school coaches specifically in West, West Virginia, you know, mm-hmm. Eastern Kentucky, down the Ohio River, you know, um, we all have that issue because um, 
one, you, you don't always have enough coach. I think the, the, the yeah. number one yeah. way to solve that problem is you have more coaches. Yeah. You have a JV coach. You have, you know, your coaches have those roles. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to do. Um, when you don't, you know, as a head coach, there's been many, many times that I've jumped down there with the JV when they're doing team. And I don't care if it's half line. I don't care if it's just going over plays on air, whatever. You know, if I know that my varsity is taken care of or we're going over something that I, you know, I'm confident that I don't have to be there for, I trust my coaches, I'll go down there and work with those young guys because that, like you said, that's so important. And when they see that, they're more apt to, you know, take practice more serious and care and know that, um, you know, you really do truly care about them. And, I, and then that's, that's one thing that, you know, talking about program building is, if those guys don't think that you care about them, not only on the field but off the field too, they're not they're not going to care about what your product is on the field whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've got to find a way to to get down with those those younger kids, those kids that you know may not ever see a true varsity quarter of action, and still make them feel like they're part of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something we do, Coach, not to, not to interrupt, is we do a, you know, we, we have three flags we run out with every every game. We have the American mm-hmm. flag, the state of West Virginia flag, and then our Chapmanville C flag. Mm-hmm. And that C flag for us stands for, you know, our practice JV Scout Player of the Week. They, okay. lead, they, lead, they lead us out every, every game mm-hmm. um, because they let us in practice. So we try to, you know, create that as a big deal and um, do those type of things with them to, to show – how important that part of our scout team, our JV team is. I've never heard of anybody doing that, but I'm going to steal that because we have some Jolly Rogers. We're going to put that – the scout team player of the week is going to definitely rock that out there because that's awesome. I mean, I was listening to a coach – not listening. I was reading something he typed, and he was saying how if if you keep practice fun, it doesn't – like that's the biggest thing to kids these days, like to be able to – keep it to where like it's crisp and they want to be there is what I was reading. And obviously football is a hard game. There's things that are hard to it, but I would love your thoughts on practice tempo. How long do you practice? Are your practices ultra competitive? Is it more of a teaching environment? How do you, how do you go about that? You know, um, I think, Darren Hayes at, at North Marion does a heck of a job with his practice schedule. And, and mm. uh, I, I've, I've, done, I've read some things and he's he shared some things with me about what he does. And I've kind of mm. stolen a couple, couple ideas that he has. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't care who you are, where you're at, where you're from. The first thing my kids ask me about practice, coach, we're going to have music today. Mm. I, I don't know. Um, how you don't in this day and age. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's times that it, it does create an issue. If you're really trying to go over something, mm-hmm. um, you know, it can be a distraction, but go to, I mean, you've been to a thousand college practices. You've been to a thousand NFL practices. They, that's what they do. You know, mm-hmm. it's always pumping. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, somebody like my dad, who's, who's older, doesn't doesn't get it. I have I have another coach on staff. And like just can't can't stand it. And I'm just you know guys. This is the way it is now. This is the yeah. sign of the times. Like that's they 
So, and I know I'm going on five minutes about music, but that's an important part for our yeah. kids. And if you take that, take that away from them, um, that kind of sets a sour tone to practice. So, you know, first thing we want to do at practice is create that environment. Like, you know, once you step on the field, like it's, it's our time, you know, you got, we got two hours. We always tell them it's two hours of work. Uh, sometimes you got to work overtime in your job. You know, we may, may end up in overtime. Uh, we don't like to go off schedule or go past our schedule, um, but we like to we like to go for two hours. You know, and Coach Dial used to say the best part of practice is the first part of practice because that's when you have everybody's attention. That's when you're you're genuinely focused and, and ready to learn as a player. Um, so what we try to do is kind of almost work a little bit backward. We go team first. Oh, okay. Try to you know, go over. You know, if we're we're in season, we're going over formations that we may use on offense. We may go over you know, what we call sacrat on defense and do those things for the first you know, 20, 30 minutes of practice. And then we jump into heavy individual, heavy group, um, and then we come back to team. So hmm. you know, we kind of we kind of build from hmm. here and then break and then come back to here again. And that's hmm. that's the way we work. Um, Tuesday and Wednesday are super competitive. You know, we're, we're fighting. I, we tell our guys we're fighting for starting spots. If you can't figure it out or pick it up, we'll, we'll find somebody else on Wednesday mm-hmm. if you don't get it on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Monday we talk about is, you know, we, we will focus on us. That's a, that's a day that you know, we're going to focus on us, conditioning, um, make, fixing our mistakes, watching film, doing those type of things. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, you know how it is. It's install competitive and then uh, Thursday is polished we call it a polish day hmm. um, so yeah but in season yeah we we're trying to make sure that um, our practices are fun we try to do things that they look forward to in practice you know yeah um, you know everybody likes to hit um, for the most part hmm. some of those skinny guys don't but yeah. um, we get coach. Can we go full? Can we go full? Well, I mean, you know how the rules are now. You, you, you can't as much yeah. as they'd like to. Yeah. So we try to build those periods where you know we build to that that full that contact, and they get excited about those those moments. We may even you know Wednesday instead of going um, into individual first, we may go scrimmage for the first. You know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of practice. Nice. Uh, just, to, just to try to get after it, see what we got, and mm-hmm. then go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, I've heard of people going team first and then teaching off the mistakes that are made. And then, like, it's your indie period then corrects what right. What happens. I, I think maybe Chip Kelly did that. He did a bunch of things first that people were like, what? Or what are you doing? And then – it yeah. worked, so people copied it, <laughs> you know. Right, and I, you know, I think there's there's so many ways to to do the right thing. Um, it just you, you just try to find ways that work for you. We actually stumbled upon that because we didn't have a trainer until four o'clock. So um, we're just like, you know, how do we get stuff done without doing? You know, we can't do anything. So. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd watch film, and then three thirty, kids are antsy because they've been out of school for forty five minutes. So we just started doing Sakurat defense, mm. um, and it all of a sudden like this light came on for us and our kids. Like we got a lot more accomplished, a lot better. 
and it just kind of flowed. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And that's one thing that's great about football is there, like you were saying, there's many different ways to do it. And then our situations are different. So you didn't, you couldn't get a trainer till force. So now I have to adapt. How do I, how do I adapt and overcome the hand that's dealt to me? Right. That's, awesome. that's really good. Talk about your offensive philosophy a little bit. We've texted about that. You don't have to share more than you want to, but talk about just kind of how you got to that. Because I remember meeting with y'all in 2016, and I just thought it was really good. Y'all were gun, y'all were eye, all kinds of things that were really good. So how has that evolved? What have you gone to now? Just those types of things. You know, um, to that, I go back a little bit. 2015, we were – True spread, you know, mm-hmm. doubles, single back most of the time. And I go back and watch those films, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't do anything. Like mm-hmm. we were just so talented, mm-hmm. we could flip it out there to one of our speed guys, and he'd break one. And you know, mm-hmm. we didn't put these long, cute drives together. Yeah. You know, now, now, um, I, I've kind of we don't have those. We haven't had those speed guys in a while. And we've had to, you know, really work at putting drives together. And, um, you know, I, the last two games of the season, we played Mingo Central and Man. And, uh, you know, Man probably was, a, if they had played a normal schedule, or probably a playoff team in class single A. Mm-hmm. Um, the, those two games, we had a seven minute drive against Mingo to score the first opening touchdown, Man. eight minute drive against Man to score the opening touchdown. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, those are off against the coordinator dreams. Like, that's that doesn't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. So, um, now Joey probably disagreed. Joey Fields probably disagreed. He probably wants to score on the first play, but probably that's, that's not that's not my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, but you know, we we have we've evolved into this. I, I almost call it a single wing spread, um, and it's just. Mm. And what we try to tell our – and we try to build this from the midget league. Uh, mm-hmm. We try to tell our guys, like, you know, you're not – at the midget league level, you're not going to throw it as much as we do, mm-hmm. okay? Well, how do we get our best athletes the ball in the same look and everybody can learn? And then by the time they're in high school, they know those plays. Mm-hmm. So we kind of, you know, have a base set of plays that we go with mm-hmm. all the time. Um, you know, our we're a gap scheme team. Uh, we're a program. We mm-hmm. down block the heck out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're trying to double a lot at the point of attack, mm-hmm. and then we're going to bring an extra guy from somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. whether that's an H back, whether that's a pulling guard, whether that's guard tackle, um, whether that's guard H back, whether that's we've gone from we've we've pulled tackle tight end. Like I mean, mm-hmm. we we're pulling, bringing somebody a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and our answer off of that is if you're going to crash or we're going to pull and run mm-hmm. triple option type stuff on the, so, mm-hmm. you know, it goes with a lot of, you know, beer option way back in the day looks, um, mm-hmm. but we have a lot of wing T principles too. Our offensive system is very, very unique. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when we go to clinics and everybody's talking like we have to, for our, especially our younger coaches, our new coaches, we have to kind of you know, tilt that message, and I'm sure a lot of people do this too. But we have to tilt those those messages 
into our terminology and our, our usage um, mm-hmm. because, you know, we call the, the smash concept something completely different than everybody else in the country. Mm-hmm. So that's just, that's our way to hide it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. But, you know, we're, we're, we're a power gap scheme run team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we're not doing anything um, different. Um, but the one thing we, we got really good at this past year is uh, we went empty and mm. um, we really kind of kind of screwed up with some defensive rules. We would go quads, uh, Y quads. So, you know, we got three out wide with a tight end and then a singled up guy. And we would, if we liked what we saw, we would just, we'd either run it with a cube or we would pass out of it. Um, if we didn't like the box to run, um, we didn't like the, the, the look to throw, we'd motion our back back into the backfield and uh, kind of create some confusion. You know, it, when you do that, the defense kind of has to declare what coverage they're going to be in. And they, they don't make that many adjustments in high school football as the game goes on. So yeah. once you find out that adjustment, where you're going to – you're why quads. Mm-hmm. And you bring that back back in, you get to, you know, why trips. Um, have they gone to cover one? Were they cover zero? Were they cover – were they quarters? What what adjustments have were they and what did they make? Mm-hmm. And it gives you a real simple picture as the game goes on mm-hmm. of where you can attack, what you can do. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I remember playing you guys for oh, it was that three years, and it was like you guys always would get into something you haven't seen, and that was the hardest part. Is you know, hey, we're having to adjust in the fly to tackle over or something like quads, uh, which is why we played a bunch of man versus y'all usually because it was right, like yeah. we just match the numbers. Uh, but then if you haven't got a guy that's better, my guy it becomes a problem. You know, so that's really good stuff you guys do. Yeah, that, that's you know, and we've talked about this before, Coach. My you know, my offensive philosophy is this: like, I'm going to have my base sets, and mm-hmm. I got my base plays. My job is to figure out how to run my base stuff and mm-hmm. give you a weird look mm-hmm. that screws up with your defensive rules. Mm-hmm. The, the hardest teams. I'm, I'm going to tell everybody, you know, if you want to really screw with me, calling plays. The hardest teams that I have have trouble beating are teams that really don't have sound defensive rules. And you just don't – you ha- you never know what they're doing. And where are they in? Play. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, um, we used to play Scott, and uh, they had, we, we called it a defense of the week. We didn't know – you know, we had three films on them, had no clue what we were going to see. Yeah. Um, first drive of the game, punted, because I was like, holy God, I have no idea what what's going on. Yeah. Then after you get those first three plays and you figure it out, you know, then you're you can settle mm-hmm. in and call a game. But those are, you know, that that's what I when I'm watching film, mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking for. And I think most OCs would probably agree is we're gonna try to find your base. We're gonna try mm-hmm. to find your rules and then how how do we attack it? You know, you know, I know a lot of coaches are gonna take their stuff and figure out how to attack from there. Our our answers are what formations can we get in to mm-hmm. really stress your defense mm-hmm. with our base plays. Mm-hmm. Hey, Coach, that's awesome. Coach, as we, we land the plane on the on the podcast, I would love some wisdom to a coach, to a young coach or maybe just a, a coach that's trying to become a head coach. So you've worked your way up. What are some nuggets you wish you knew years ago, maybe just a couple of years ago? 
um, be a good assistant. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, a great assistant coach is worth their weight in gold. It doesn't matter. Um, and each assistant coach has a different role. You know, if your role is to do the equipment, do it the best you can. Mm-hmm. You're going to get more. You're going to get more on your plate after they see you can handle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the thing that I think a lot of assistant young assistants don't understand. I'm 37. Um, I, I knew I wanted to be a coach when I was 18, mm. but I, I didn't come in wanting to call plays. I came in wanting to work individual drills. Mm. Uh, you know, I, that's, I was, I didn't want to be anything else but a receivers coach for the longest time. Cause I just love the re- mm. receiver position. Um, and then as you start to learn more, you feel more comfortable coaching this, that, and everything else. But, you know, the, my number one piece of advice is, you know, that, there is one chief and it makes your life easier and his life easier. If you just follow the orders of the chief. Um, I, I think that in a lot of areas of our life and society and coaching, um, assistant coaches are not necessarily as loyal as they used to be. I don't mean that in a bad way to anybody listening. I'm just saying that, you know, that, that loyalty, that trust goes such a long way with, you know, I talk about it with our guys, like who's in the foxhole with me, like who's fighting with me, who's not, you know, who's, who's out there running around doing their own thing, giving up our, our position, and our stuff. Um, instead, I want somebody that's going to be in the foxhole with me, mm-hmm. taking directions and, and doing those types of things, whatever it may be. And uh, that's, that's my biggest piece of advice to a young coach, um, you know, be in the foxhole with your head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a bad situation, you realize that that's one thing, but, Work your way up the right way. Work the way up the ladder um, because there's lots of a lot of things that you can learn along the way. You know, I, when I thought I was a good assistant, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until that I was a head coach that I knew what what I did well as an assistant. So mm-hmm. that's awesome, Coach. Thank you for being on. I, I enjoy your friendship and I enjoy your wisdom. Just thank you for sharing with us. Coach, I really appreciate it. You know, anytime, anytime you want some good home cooking, you can come down to Chapmanville. We'll take care of you. That, definitely, I have to make my way down there. Go back to that Italian place. That place was good, like really good. <laughs> <laughs>